Hi, this is Dr. Lee Piccarello inviting you to tune in to The Head Game, a must-listen show for athletes and coaches of all levels and ages. Mindful Athlete Training in Newtown, Pennsylvania is a mental circuit training program that prepares the athletes to perform at the highest level of today's game. Athletes get into the zone faster and stay there longer. A lot of games are canceled. Not this one. The head game is on with Dr. Lee Piccarello and Jess Ferdinand in tandem today. How are you, Foxy? Better than any sports talk, talk show host, I can tell you that. They don't have a job. Yeah, our phone's been ringing off the hook, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we're, we're asking where, you know, we have to fill in. Everyone's yep. struggling for content. And the, the, um, the, the, how do I, how do I want to put it? Um, be a compass. The observation that I'm that I'm making is that um, for for obvious reasons, because of of sports games being canceled, um, everyone's talking about um, what we've always been talking about, which is the head game that we all play. Mm-hmm. And uh, some not are playing you well. Do that the whole show. I am okay. Some are not I playing it very well. I refuse to touch though. anything that's not in my house. Okay. So you, you're you're officially one of those. High five. Yeah. No. I almost did. Yeah. <laughs> of Go. course I am. I I switched homes when my my in the during the this is the technically flu season. Yes. You know, which is why this is all yeah. unfolding so rapidly. And my mom and my brother um my brother had the flu, my mom didn't. And then she got pneumonia. This year? Not the bad kind. Yeah. I left. <laughs> I was like, I'm out, and I left. You're I out. cleaned my room again. <laughs> I washed everything, closed my door, locked it, and I said, I'm going somewhere else. Okay. And how long did you leave for? A week. A week. Wow. I'm not, I don't play. <laughs> you don't play? I do not play with germs. I see. It, it, Those kinds of germs. Right. I think you should be our, our head game, our uh, candidate today. Uh, I think the sheer. No, I think I should too. I think the sheer notion of it is is. We got Howard Hughes. In I breathe in and out through my nose if I'm in crowded rooms now. Uh huh. <laughs> I use my knuckles if I have right. to pay with my credit. Well, cards. technically, Jessica, Jessica, with the incubation period being two to fourteen days, if if something has already happened, then technically the damage months. has already been done. Right. No. Okay. So our discussion today, uh, we really we took a uh, a hard left turn, uh, really tw- about twenty four hours ago, and we completely scrapped what we had uh, thought about doing earlier in the week, um, and we're going to save that topic for another day because really the the uh, conversation that everyone is having is the coronavirus uh, and how it's impacting uh, really the the trickle down impact. Um, I find interesting because everyone was brought to the attention of major sports being delayed, um, then without fans, uh, then games, uh, seasons being canceled, being postponed. And it seems as if, uh, maybe it's because I'm more of a sports fan, that the awareness that a lot of people came into 
uh, was almost in reverse because if you are a sports fan, the first thing that really brought your attention to the possible severity of this uh, pan- what's now being identified as a pandemic um, is we don't have any sports to watch. So what are we going to talk about? And if we don't have anything to talk about, then we need to really look at the impact, whether it's in our hometown, our state, our country, or the globe. And I think that's really brought a much more broad-sweeping level of attention uh, to most persons about what is really going on. Um, It seems as if when you think about the impact that this has had uh, in the earliest stages of China, that we're a bit uh, late to the game. Um, I do have uh, personal friends in the medical care, in the health industry that are working really on the front lines in hospitals. Um, And, you know, what we wanted to discuss today is really uh, the human element that's come to the forefront of all of this for everyone and how emotional and psychological uh, elements quickly come to the surface and can dominate our line of thinking and our impact our decision making uh, and really our, our, our way of life, our behavior. It's, it's the obvious uh, impact. Um, and I think that to a degree, uh, the stages of emotional change that we go through uh, have much to do with the, the early beginnings of stress and tension and anxiety. And anxiety then quickly can build to a higher stage of mind-body conflict, which we've talked about for different reasons on the show, which then leads to uh, early stages of panic. And then panic, unfortunately, left uh, uneducated, left unkept, um, can eventually evolve to full-blown hysteria. Uh, And that's something certainly that we want to try to avoid and uh, would not be in the best interest of anyone. So we thought that it would be our part, we would play our best part um, to try to educate the public about what we know psychologically and emotionally, sort of maintaining and preserving the integrity of our profession in a time in which, quite frankly, it is needed the most. Um, So our show today is going to be very, very different. Um, It's going to be uh, more off script, perhaps, than it ever has been, because the script needed to be changed. Yeah, which potentially is, no, it's not potentially, it's exactly how this virus has unfolded, in America, at least, because we've, you know, it's been happening, I think we're about two weeks behind from the other countries. It's just... It seems as such, right, with the way in which it's being explained to us as how this uh, this virus can transport and the the incubation period of about two weeks and how it's uh, really transferred uh, from human contact, um, which is why this social distancing, social distancing uh, method, which really uh, I've done some of my own research, harkens all the way back to and it might even be earlier, the uh, 1914 uh, flu epidemic in Philadelphia. Um, and there were, uh, I believe there was a uh, St. Paddy's Day par- parade that uh, went uh, without uh, cancellation, and it led to a lot of unfortunate deaths uh, well over 100 years ago. And the city of St. Louis uh, learned from Philadelphia's mistakes and decided to engage in what is now known as social distancing, where they closed schools, they closed parks, they closed recreational activities, um, 
to reduce the incident of uh, large groups gathering, and they pretty much uh, knocked the statistical impact, anyway, of this flu impacting on the environment by more than half. And thus social distancing, I believe, was born. Uh, I am no medical expert, but in my limited knowledge and education thus far concerning this topic, that's what I came up with. And I think it's important to try to discuss the facts, because so often, so many times, uh, we speculate on limited uh, understanding of knowledge that's not necessarily coming from a credible source, and this too can make us all anxious. So I think it's appropriate to start off with, number one, Foxy, this is the coronavirus impact on sports. A game without the fans. Hard to imagine for some of the sport's biggest stars. And how about James? I ain't playing. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's who I play for. The move is the latest step for a league that already advised no autographs or handshakes with fans. Overnight, the virus clearly on players' minds. Take a look at these Sixers players sharing a pregame handshake and appearing to include washing their hands. The NBA isn't the only league taking action. Baseball is making changes too and at the recommendation of the cdc the nhl is weighing their own preventative measure including closing locker room access to members of the media and the league has already banned international travel according to the new york times even the ncaa is considering playing its marquee basketball tournaments at fewer sites yeah, we now know that that has all changed. Right. Everything that, is That clip is a little suspended. dated. and it dated to like four days ago, which exactly, is exactly the... Which is the, the yeah. impact that all of this has had of how things have changed so dramatically. I have to go back. I, I really enjoyed the question that I was configuring. And then as hourly, this thing, these um, just news has changed. And I was going to ask you, I was very excited about it because I know you did your dissertation on it yes at LaSalle and with because it, it was happening in the European sports soccer really yes they're playing without fans yes and then they were going to play without fans in the NBA yes as well as any other all the other sports so it was you know making me think of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation correct which is kind of what LeBron and we'll he did retract and we'll talk about that but at the moment that's kind of what he was saying he was like I don't, I don't like. I play for the fans. I play for the people watching me and for my family. So, it's just how does that change? Like, at, you know. I think you you uh, you brought up my dissertation, and one of the elements within that um, that is highly relevant to our conversation is the concept of locus of control, which has much to do with the internal or external perspective, and the analogy that I can make now that's relevant to the research that I did almost 20 years ago is how people, specifically athletes, give up control in the face of an authority figure when something is hurting, when you have an injury. So now let's just make that physical hurt an emotional hurt. To what degree is uh, the athlete giving up control about what motivates them when they feel that someone is more of an expert. The research that I did at Lehigh University had much to do with the control you would give to an athletic trainer in the face of an injury, telling you how long your injury was going to take to heal. 
and how well you manage that news, how much it impacted your locus of control, your attentional style, and really your your beliefs about pain and how well you could cope. So now let's make that psychological for just a moment. When the fans are being removed, that was the first notion that we all heard of, um, that the NCAA was the first to make that announcement that March Madness was not going to be as mad because there were going to be no fans. And the joke, which which really started off as such, was these high-level NCAA competitive athletes hearing the squeaking of their sneakers because they were going to be playing very much like you practice in an empty stadium. Um, The number of times that Foxy has mentioned taking batting practice in an empty stadium and hearing the the connection of the ball and the bat and the echo. Um, Yes, it's very memorable for him, but now if you're more accustomed to different sounds and the environment of your playing experience changes, how is that impacting you psychologically and emotionally? And clearly it's gone from no fans to no games to no leagues to no anything in a very short period of time. And with basketball, basketball um specifically adam silver the commissioner he did come out this morning and said that they're doing a 30-day suspension of everything and at 30 days maybe they'll play with fans maybe they won't so it's still they're going to come back in 30 days they they still potentially are playing without any fans i think what the um template that the world is going to follow which will trickle down from pro to college to high school is a minimal two to four week um, suspension. Yeah. Um, I have a sister-in-law who works at a Florida Atlantic University, and they uh, that college has gone on uh, virtual uh, for the end of March with a revisitation at the end of March with plans. Actually, they're putting in writing to reconvene. I, I think that... Um, as I have come to understand it, while this may seem incredibly intense, uh, most may have originally felt it a gross overreaction. Yes. The, the sensibility that I'm trying to maintain, not only in my own personal stance, but as well as I try to educate the public, is if we are projecting to worst case scenario in the grand scheme of things, a two-week, four-week, eight-week 12-week suspension of life as we know it is well worth it in comparison to not doing anything about it and then the numbers getting out of our control exponentially. Yes, and and you speaking about the locus of control, you're saying in the with the athletes in particular when they're with when they get injured, they kind of are leaning towards the doctors. Like, yes. what, what can I do? Right. It's, or it's, you're the expert. Yeah, you, you tell, you tell me, me, and I'm, I'm good. I'm letting go of all control because right. I don't know, and I just want to get better. And that I, is the phenomenon I, that is happening now. Everything's in your hands, right? And it's not in my younger generation because Correct. news has spread that it just won't impact us. Correct. Originally. So what is the mindset going on But that's on starting there? to change, though. More and more experts regarding uh, tied to, affiliated with the World Health Organization, because the, the uh, 
elderly population are the ones that more stereotypically have a pre-existing medical condition or a respiratory illness. Those are the ones that... Children can also have asthma. They can. And there's also the immunodeficiency aspect. other things. Right? Of how you can... Exactly. So, yeah. I I think that statistical um, establishment is going to change um, as it relates to the CDC, which is my personal... um, Reference that I've been using mm-hmm. as just as far as pure numbers are concerned. What's the full concerned. name of CDC? The Center for uh, Disease, Control. Disease Control, and they're out of Atlanta. There's correct? so many that I've been reading. I the need CDC to, need to keep them all noted. Center for Disease Control. Yeah, it's a quarter. Like a it's a quarter one. past the hour, and we can't overlook our good friend. You know what time it is? I saw him last night, and we talked shop. It was a. Uh, it was uh, the same type of. Uh, connection he and I but the topic was most definitely different Uh, we talked about um, the coronavirus and how it's impacted all of us it is coach John Kalinowski from Kalinowski Performance Academy good morning coach good morning everybody how are you sir outstanding Um, so we're just going to kind of jump right into it Cal and um, we uh, as I told you last night we suspended (laughs) Um, you know, pun intended, our original script uh, about this time yesterday. um, And uh, Jessica and I spoke uh, electronically about uh, how we wanted to handle it in anticipation of more professional leagues being suspended, being shut down. Uh, Everyone is discussing, um, but... uh, Discussing the obvious, I should say. But what? Let's just talk first and foremost. How has the corona, coronavirus impacted you? Impacted your life, your wife, your children, your business? Uh, from a personal standpoint, I don't think it really has affected us much, um, other than you know looking at what could happen, um, especially from you know a, a financial standpoint. Thinking about those individuals that. Um, may be most susceptible in our families to the coronavirus, uh, just kind of educating our family on, you know, what kind of steps they should take and, and to, you know, stay calm. Um, you know, stress is a, a great way, especially if you don't control it, to suppress your immune system and make yourself more um, easily infected when you are exposed to things. So, Talk to me a little bit about that, Cal. I think that's an outstanding point. And, you know, I I know you have an extensive background in, you know, exercise physiology and you're all about the body. And talk to me a little bit about more about that. Well, when your body naturally goes through stress responses when you are exposed to a stressor. And, you know, there's good stresses and bad stresses. But when you don't control your stress, and this is, this is why I think your industry is, you know, so important right now uh, more than ever, um, not only from the things that we've been talking about with our athletes, but just in, in general, trying to get people to understand their body, what they need to do for their optimal, optimal well-being. When you have stress that is not controlled and it continues to fester, what happens is it actually breaks down your system. You're releasing hormones in your body that are catabolic. They're breaking it down. And if you don't learn to control your stress, your immune system can get suppressed. And th- now we're talking about that, you know, possibly the population that uh, Jess just brought up. Now you're talking about the population that thinks that they're, they're fine, right? They're not old. They don't have a cardiac problem. They don't have an uh, immunodeficiency. 
but you're creating an environment within your body that's making you more susceptible to illnesses and diseases, not just coronavirus, okay? And on, on top of that, there are other things that can happen with that. For some people, when you have a, that uncontrolled stress, it can help you, not help you, but it can uh, cause weight gain. It can cause muscle loss. It can cause a, um, um, a loss of performance. It, it, it attacks your brain as well. It affects how you think and how you react to things. It causes, you know, just so much anxiety within your body that you may not even really be perceiving. So it's, it's, a, it's a very toxic environment that is created within your body if you don't learn how to control your stress. And now you have a, a, a situation like the coronavirus where, you know, obviously it's a pandemic, but the, uh, the media has done a great job of creating, uh, in my opinion, a lot of excessive panic. Should there be concern? Absolutely. But the excessive panic uh, that is causing in some individuals um, I think is is creating a, a toxic environment, not just in our society, but within the individual. And they hit, right now is a great time to learn how to meditate. It's a great time to start working out. You know, all these different types of approaches that you can use for stress management to relieve your muscle tension, to relieve all these anxieties and give you an escape. So more than ever, I think people need to work out and learn from Jessica and, and Dr. Piccarello on different techniques that they can use for their stress management. So what do you personally do to stay calm, putting the science aside for a second? I think, you know, obviously working out is a big part for me. Um, but I think the other part, too, is is my perspective on things. I'm pretty much an optimist, and I try to, um, I don't want to say logically think through things, but look at the situations and consider, you know, if there's a problem that I'm facing, then it's a problem at the time. But I don't try to create problems for myself. Uh, what I think a lot of people do. They get very anxious about things. They're always thinking about the negative side of things, what could happen, and oh, my God, type situations. And I think my biggest thing is that, that positive outlook um, and not worry about things until it's actually a problem. And, and when I say it's a problem, you know, for me, it's usually not an issue unless somebody's, you know, going to die or something like that. Um, for me, you work through your problems. It's about being resilient. Um, so, I mean, my biggest thing is, you know, positive, I guess, self-talk to an extent, um, being more realistic about a situation rather than reacting right away or, you know, overreacting. And, again, keeping myself fit, keeping, you know, staying on top of my diet, Um Surrounding myself with people that are positive as well, um, and, and knowing that what I do every day is helping other people, so I keep promoting that as well. How are the um, the chi- the not the children? I guess they're like teenagers coming in, just because we were talking about that right before um, you called in and you even mentioned it. So that age group that we were speaking of, who kind of feels like they're not like a superhero, but like it's really not going to affect immune. Them. Immune yeah, is the, it, immune like is the word that they, they, they are assuming. Is that how you, are they coming in just like as anything else? Are they washing their hands, using um, the wipes? We're coming in and um, we, we definitely have made some changes. Um, so we, you know, this goes back to what you're saying. We're reinforcing the, the fact that people need to keep their hands clean. We have hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, instead of cleaning everything midday and at the end of the day we're cleaning everything at the end of every workout um, but we're trying to reinforce that with with the kids too you're still educating them um, we 
we received information on uh, COVID-19 with regard to what you need to know and what you need to do. And we try to educate that population because, like you said, sometimes, you know, and maybe you experienced it in your life, when you were that age, you do feel infallible. You do feel immune, like Dr. Pick said. Um, So you don't think anything can happen to you, but it can happen to you. And you can also be a carrier to someone else that maybe you care about. So you got to take the right steps to protect yourself and protect those that you know you that you care about and that you love. So yeah, things that we've done, we haven't changed our business other than the fact that now because some people are a little more concerned about being in social environments, so we started marketing more that that we can design programs for you to work out at home, whether you have equipment or not. Um, if you have a, a friend that. Uh, goes to a gym that may be closed down. Um, we're offering to have them join us for ten dollars a workout. For college kids that are coming back, same thing. You know, ten dollars. You know, per uh, group training type stuff. So we've made some changes from the standpoint of what we're offering and and how you know the cost for that. But more than anything, for that younger population, we're just trying to educate them that this can be a very serious situation because no one has this yet. I mean, from a standpoint of building immune systems. So this is all very new. We don't have immunizations for it. We, it's really kind of in, in, in its infancy. So you can't take it lightly, but just continue to live your life and do the things that you should have done from the get-go. Keeping your hands clean, don't touch your face, all those kinds of things. Um, you know, Cal, what's interesting for me is when you know I hear about your, your business and how it's impacted, um, and just you know the, the steps that, that you're, you're taking, um, we had talked before, off air, before the show had started about how um, what we do for a living now, because in the uh, almost four years that we've been on air and we've tried to do something a little bit different than the traditional sports talk radio show, um, what we're now all discussing, because there is no traditional sports to talk about, no. are all of the other things and the emotional elements and the psychological pieces that all tend to fit together. Um, as you know, uh, very much like yourself, when, when I meet people, uh, I'm enthusiastic, and I've tried to be mindful of what I've been educating myself about regarding the virus and, and the appropriate steps that people are encouraging to do. But every now and then, this past week, I found myself, uh, in Wednesday in particular, I had met a new client for the first time who um, his primary language was not English, and he had brought his sister and his brother-in-law as uh, really support and almost as a, a translator. And my first inclination when I met everyone out as I came out of my office into my waiting room, as you know, I'm very welcoming, is to stick out my hand and shake hands. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, did it involuntarily. You know, um, I, I've owned and operated my business for almost 10 years. It's just something that is part of what I do. And the woman refused to shake my hand, who was the sister uh-huh. who... Um, and it it sort of paralyzed me, and it took me probably a good second to recognize why she wasn't. And she looked at me with this um, look of, how do you not know 
that you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> um, and I kind of pulled my hand back, and as as you know me, I sort of made a joke or I made light of it, and, and I said something to the extent of like, you know, that's that's fine, you know, we don't have to shake on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had a chance to think about it, of the the precautionary steps to te- to, and wh- why I why I'm bringing that up, Cal, and I really want your take on this is. There are so many things that we can't control as it relates to this. We can educate ourselves. We can, uh, as best, uh, the best of our ability, we can take precautionary steps. But there's so many moments that I'm just going to call uh, human life moments that have no script, that activate people's responses and reactions and behaviors. How are you going through this personally? Um, you mentioned earlier about family members, and obviously we all hunker down and we, we nest a little bit more. We want to take care of our own. But how are you personally thinking about really uh, how the virus is impacting us as a society and just sort of where we are at this stage in our lives? I, when I think about it, obviously, like I had said before, I don't let it really bother me from a standpoint of, you know, being you know panic driven or anxious about it um like i said i don't i don't create problems for myself we're going to have problems everybody's going to have problems in their life you don't need to create more um but i try to take it from a standpoint of okay am i doing taking the right steps to protect myself and my family um and am i educating my population but from you know a, a deeper perspective I look at it from the standpoint of, okay, what will the trickle-down effect be from all this? And I do believe that there is going to be a very bad trickle-down effect because of how it's going to affect uh, people's jobs, how it's going to affect the economy and things like that. But again, I'm not going to create a problem within myself. I'm becoming a, making myself self-aware and possibly planning for those, you know, a, 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 you know, a recession or you know, a, a downfall in, in business. Um, so I kind of plan myself mentally for those types of things. I do feel really, really bad. And we spoke about this last night for the seniors in the athletes. athletics right now. The athlete, I feel terrible for them because they're losing their senior season and they're not going to get it back. I don't know how you could possibly get it back because you have to have, you know, eligibility. You have to have 12 credits to stay eligible in the NCAA. I feel terrible for those high school athletes that really needed this year to get recruited. So I I think a lot of times I selfishly think about how this is going to affect my athletes and how it's going to affect the industry. But I feel terrible for those those individuals because some of them have prepared their whole life for this. The seniors in college that are losing a season, this is the last chance they probably had to play ever. And they just lost it. It was just taken from them. And again, this is where I think, you know, uh, having sports psychology is so important. It's one thing to end a season, your last season, you know, your senior year, you just finished the season, whether you went to the postseason or not, that causes a depression in some people as it is. Now you just had it ripped away from you. So that's why I said in the beginning, you guys are very, very valuable right now, and people have to seek out your expertise for these situations. Um, but yeah, again... For me, I'm not creating a problem for myself. I'm just being, you know, aware of what can happen and preparing myself for that. Trying to take the right steps, you know, financially and, and personally in case we do have, you know, a greater issue. Hopefully, we won't. 
Um, but at the same extent, uh, for my, my business perspective with my athletes, those that lost it, I don't try to bring it up. I just say, hey, we have, we're, we're in our off season right now. Let's continue to get ourselves better. Every day we need to make ourselves better. All right, brother. Thanks so much for your your uh, your thoughts, Cal. As uh, in this time of transition, I I appreciate everything you bring to the table. Ah, yes. Lucky Friday the thirteenth is also National Blame Someone Else Day. So let's try oh, that. My favorite <laughs> holiday. That's right. Well, let's think of something positive. I'm kidding. Who could benefit by this? The Houston Astros don't have to play. That's true. (laughs) Who else could benefit from this? It's a conspiracy driven by uh, Houston Astros management Mm. and ownership. Mm. Yep. Because there's all kinds of theories out there right now. Joey Cora on line two for your doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I thank you for that. Foxy, let's go to number two. Speaking of line two, uh, this clip is also uh, dated just a little, but it's going to feel like an eternity. This is LeBron James doing a full about face and clarifying playing in empty arenas. Well, it's funny because when I was asked a question of would you play without no fans, I had no idea that it was actually a conversation going on behind closed doors about the particular virus um obviously i would be very disappointed at, you know not having the fans because that's what i play for i play for my family i play for my fans they're saying no one could actually come to the game if they decide to go to that point so i'd be disappointed in that um you know but at the same time you gotta you gotta listen to um you know the people that's keeping a track on what's going on and if they feel like it's best for uh the safety of the players the safety of the franchise safety of the league um to a mandate that then we all we all listen to it the interesting thing that I find, and I know you're a big LeBron fan, is but what he's really saying there at the end is his perspective is playing in empty stadiums is to best protect the players, which is kind of funny mm-hmm. because it's what the players, specifically the Utah Jazz, by no fault of their own, in bringing the coronavirus into the league is what really escalated psychologically to pandemic levels yes. of fear and in panic sports. and shut everything yeah. down in sports. Um, which probably w- would have happened, but it just sped up the process, which potentially could be better now in the, in the longer run. Potentially, and it more than likely would have happened. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be uh, interested to see if any other athletes on a global stage test positive. When you think about my inclination when I hear all of this, it it starts to go in a direction of trying to understand the amount of information that is available to us. And I I don't know who I said this to. I think I said this to to Hunter Stevens, um, one of our, our colleagues at Mindful Athlete Training. It's almost as if if you try to explain why you shouldn't panic, that the secondary message you're sending is that you don't care. And I think there's a fine line between that. I really do. And I, I, I think it's really part of the moral responsible, responsibility, I should say, of those that have a platform or have a voice to make that more clear. They're, you're not turning your back with irresponsibility if you question intelligently the information that's being provided to you, the source 
to better adjust your own personal balance because that's what's driving the angst the in some cases panic um i think it's a a really clear example of lebron james one of the most famous not only basketball players but person in the world being human and doing everything we did when we heard first about this we kind of brushed it off like oh it's a new flu and then more news comes out more facts come out you realize that in other countries people by the hundreds have been dying whether they were 80 plus or not it's human lives that are dying and now he's coming out and saying yeah like okay uh you know that's not what i was saying and and i think it's the most human thing that he could have done if you look at it in a different light. Yes, and I, I think that you, you, your ability to step back and see his progression and then make those comments, I think, is a, is a testament to you trying to look at things collectively. I think it's what I did. That's why, you know, I think I, I, I like we always talk about, I feel connected to him now. Yes. Because I'm like, you know what? Me too. I went through the same things you did. Right. I think the key difference, and I don't want to make it more a point of criticism, mm-hmm. is that you do not have a global audience. And for for him to say, well, I made that comment because I didn't really know what was going on. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. And my point is, last time I checked, when he makes it clear that he wants to be heard because he knows what's going on, this is one of those instances where maybe the larger lesson that we can all learn from LeBron James is don't actually speak so quickly. Don't right. don't respond to the question with a backhanded, aloof response. Yeah, he's too comfortable. Well, a little bit too comfortable with the cluster, with the own media yeah. herd that follows him after practice in games. Right? Some, yeah, something That's else the that big he picture that I think we all can learn from. Yeah. So something else that he mentioned was that he was disappointed, um, which I think is very prevalent with all of sports all of the athletes are very disappointed and i have this pulled up from bleacher report and you can stop me at any time because i think they have quite a few athletes on here but they had well let's hear let's hear from some of the athletes yeah. let's hear from them directly what are they thinking <laughs> so they officially had canceled march madness yesterday and they interviewed all of the you know the people that would really be standouts in march madness the the if you were watching college basketball you would know um, I'm going to say their names because why not? But I'm, I'm well aware we might not know who they are. Um, so the first one is Nico Mannion. And he says the past 24 hours have felt like a bad dream. Miles Powell. These these are NCAA these players. Are, these are players who it's been canceled. I, I can go further and see like who's a senior, who's not a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, but Miles Powell, at least I ended a champion with like a very weird face because I do know that I think they... I don't know if this. I know in other tournaments like eight, the ACC and things like that, whoever was in first place just got handed the. They trophy. have identified in certain leagues champions. Yes. Yeah. So maybe he was one of them. Um, Cassius Stanley. It's a nice name. Heartbreaking, but the right thing to do with a sad face. Trey Jones doesn't seem real. Dot dot dot. Crying face. Um, on, oh, I can't say his name. Anika. I can't even say, I can't say his last name, but um, he just has a sad face with a broken heart. So clearly we're getting the gist of De- uh, Devin Dotson. He just says nightmare. Another sad face crying. 
Um, and then Jay Wright comes out and says, so sad that we can't enjoy March Madness with the Nova Nation. Thank you for your passion, loyalty, and support. Let's all pray for those affected by the virus and for the health services personnel treating patients. Right. Well, I'd seen that um, Love donated $100,000 to the staff for the uh, basketball operations for Cleveland. Oh, Kevin Love. Yeah. 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 He made a $100,000 oh, donation. Oh, he has a Love Foundation. Yeah. He made a, a donation for the people that actually work in the stadium. Yes. And... Uh, what's his name? Mark Cuban, who owns the Mavericks. Yes. He's made a statement that he's configuring with his financial team how to have all of his employees paid while they're under quarantine. Right. That also has a little to do with him, his reaction being caught live on film, which was really more of a shock and disbelief. And when they went to interview him, I don't know if you've seen the interview. I haven't. I do um, know him. It was well, a very fine line of him sort of realizing as words were coming out of his mouth of how it might sound. He was saying it. This, this, this can't be real. This is this is not a possibility. Yeah. And I think he, he was a little bit more perturbed than anything and slowly realized as he was being interviewed that maybe... Maybe he wasn't coming off as such a as a as the humanitarian that I think he's been known to to be um, with his wealth and his his ability to be gracious. So I think that has something to do with perhaps his new approach. Not all that different from LeBron James' right. first reaction, right? The or well, Jessica's well, right or, or the, <laughs> the global the, empire the, I have the the human reaction that we all have as it relates to. Um, What's going on around us? What what I think is worthy of, of conversation is when you think about what we're all going through and how it impacts our daily lives, I, I think what is um, noteworthy is we don't ever really pay attention to the small things unless... Um, there's a reason to react to it differently. Right. You know? And I, I said that too. Like we are someone, again, my age, younger than me. So I think he's like 21 and he's kind of looking at it in a positive sense. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, we, we don't know. It could get really bad. It, and, but he's like coming off very positive. And my take from all of that. And I said, I was like, well, I don't really see anything positive, <laughs> but it is interesting how um, we don't we tend to not care until bad things happen. Like now we're all washing our hands for just a small thing. But, you know, now we're taking the necessary precautions we've always supposed to have been doing. Right. And now I've, we're going to hang out with our families. Right. And I've, we have I, to. I've tried to weigh in and, and listen to other personalities and other people that have um, tried to translate all of this, this, this present work week, this past work week, I should say, leading up until today. And you hear different people's perspectives. And, and some people actually get angry about the comment that you just made, where it's like, well, now we're washing our hands. Some people are actually coming out and saying, well, what the hell is wrong with all of this? If we were actually doing what we should have been doing all of long, this would have never happened. It's a very interesting stance that people take. It's denial, perhaps. Well, I think also, too, like the, the way that people often talk about or compare it to what we know. We compare it to the flu. Okay. Now, that's a basic psychological principle because well, what we're doing is we're trying to make it analogous to something that we feel we have a slight bit more of control over. 
psychologically, emotionally, that's what's going to drive us to make it comparable to something that is a obvious entity. It's like the flu. And then we bring up statistics of past experiences. Yeah. We all know people, perhaps we have gotten the flu mm-hmm. when the, the swine, the pig swine flu or the H1N1, right? That was the, the, the numbers on H1N1 are in the, the millions of infection and in the tens of thousands of fatalities. Um, when you look at those numbers. And then we also try to, which I think is another interesting psychological slant, we look at what's being deemed the global number of this pandemic, which is, I think, at most recent count, 130,000 in change, because the CDC, the Center for Disease Control out of Atlanta, does make a daily update of those numbers. And I think they have established themselves as more of just the facts where they're just putting those numbers out. And when you look at the number of infections in the United States, as of yesterday at around 6 o'clock, the number was slightly over 1,200, I believe. Why I know that number is I did the comparison of the number of infections in the United States as compared to globally, and it comes out to 9%. Hmm. Then you look at the number of fatalities in this country as compared to globally, it comes out to 7% of the population. And you know what? I found that those numbers are something that just made me sleep a little bit more comfortably last night. Yeah. So that's why I did that math. You see? Right? I'm going to figure out those numbers and I'm going to do that math. I also slept a a little comfortably last night after. I, I mean, I just had the radio on all day just listening for, you know, just anything that's happening. And as the whole sports world has just completely shut down. And you have these angry callers who call in. There's a lot of angry people out there, and that's something that I wanted to talk about, too. The well, there's a lot of angry people out there on a regular basis. Now they just have a reason to voice it. Yeah. Let me be clear on so that. May, okay, so maybe we had an angry human who's now verbally speaking of his anger, mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, and this is in the Philadelphia area, and he's, and he was saying how what we have, we have someone, one person in New Jersey who has got the coronavirus and died. We know that. That's a fact. And he's saying, but no one's telling us that he was pushing 80 years old and he actually died from his pre-existing heart disease. So a lot of these people, and that brings me into my conversation of what I wanted to kind of talk about too, which I've actually thought about with locus of control. Um, You have these people who are saying that it's overblown. And to an extent of what you were saying, it, it is in a way, but it's also not overblown. And I'm thinking, why? Why do people immediately go, oh, whatever? Like, why did LeBron James, Mark Cuban, and myself immediately just kind of push it aside? Is it a panic? Is it how we deflect the situation to make ourselves feel better? It's, I think it's safety. Yeah. I, I think it's the natural um, knee-jerk reaction of self-preservation. We're going to convince ourselves that it's not a global hysteria-worthy panic situation because not only is that going to disrupt us every single day and how we operate but it gives us more reason not to do the things that we traditionally have done mm-hmm. okay and change people do not like change i have found out right so I, this is all change well the human being is um very comfortable with routine and patterns mm-hmm. for we're very habitual You know, we get ready the same way. We go to work with the same commute. 
Uh, we may stop off and get a cup of coffee at the same place. We're very rote. We're very repetitious. That soothes us. And now with things being disrupted, well, it's bringing on a whole new psychological barrage for us to consider. I just can't help but to think even more deeply about what you said and to always look at it. I look at it. I look at everything as like a did I make you think deeply? You did. You did. Because I always think (laughs) I always I felt that change is good. And in this sense, it's weird because we're changing because of negative things. We're reacting. Yeah. But maybe it's actually good that we're forcing a change in our lives. I I think that you are. uh Something, something there to it. Did you just drop uh, a? Uh, did, uh, I don't know. You can't what grab I did, an actual mic because like it's against uh, WBCB that. coronavirus protocol. I should just take the but, headphones off and walk out now. Right. Thank you, Foxy. Yeah, I, I, I think that you're right because you know the, the other thing too is when you look at for, for those of you who can do it without enticing, uh, or should I say, eliciting panic within yourself if you want to educate yourself about the coronaviruses uh there's plenty of them out there there have been instances uh where uh animal disease has been transferred to humans Uh, it's called sars uh it's been around um there were a lot of global infections there were a lot of deaths um and I, I, this is probably more the one of the more scientific things that I'm going to say. Part of human evolution is that we grow, we evolve, we get sick, and we die. I'm not suggesting that that process very morbid of you. No, no, that's very scientific of me. It is because what is happening has always happened Mm -hmm. it just appears and in large part i'm not going to go after the media circuit as intensely as i would have five days ago but the sheer presence of the smartphone and the ability for anyone to establish themselves with an opinion that has a platform that can send it globally, make no mistake, is contributing to global panic and fear and potentially hysteria. I think the, the highlight of that is to make no mistake. That wasn't as available 10 years ago as it is today. No, and we are able to wrongly self-diagnose and find errors and then we're just continuously it's like i had actually had to stop doing this (laughs) like if anything happened to me i would google it and then the google answer was you have cancer probably and and then i would be like oh my god i have cancer probably to your very point that is the danger of and you are a college educated you are aspiring to your doctorate um what is dangerous is the amount of information that is out there that is not predicated on a credible source that anyone yeah. can scroll upon, that anyone can make sense of. And then as the old shampoo commercial, they told two friends and they told two friends and yeah. so on and so it on used to and be, so on. When I was right? younger, it used to be Wikipedia. Now the Google is essentially Wikipedia. There's meaning 
that there's um, all of the citations are just not really citations. Is there such a thing as too much information that's available to us at any time? Yes. Yes. Because you, you, yeah, you can. Yes. Like, we can. I can Google absolutely anything. Because the information that's available to us is the very thing that paralyzes us from what we would typically do without that information. Boy, this party really died. <laughs> <laughs> did the party ever get started, Foxy? I think it did. We're the and, only ones to endeavor to try to make one out of it anyway. <laughs> uh. I'm trying to get more and more passionate and emphatic without getting as close to my microphone as I typically do. I'm actually closer to my microphone, you yet are. I refuse to touch it. Yes. So what happened there? I was I was going to bring that to your attention, but you were kind of in a flow state <laughs> earlier, and I didn't want to disrupt you. Now I, I can't leave now. I'm. <laughs> hey. Um, There's our sponsor right there. I, yeah. That made me think. We, we have Today's head game brought Lysol. to you by Lysol. <laughs> Clean up your act. Get <laughs> it together. Yes. Clean up the... We have to figure that out. The head game? There has to be a word play on that. That's your job. I guess I guess, <laughs> I guess. we should wait until everything's okay before we start bringing those wordy coronavirus. What does okay mean to you? <laughs> okay means to me... I guess okay would mean that we have found, um, you know, that medicine... I don't remember the name. I'm not even going to... A vaccine. Take a long, yes, we found a, fa- a vaccine and, you know, it stinks because it, this is what happens. But for no. me, if someone found a vaccine and now the sports is back and everything's kind of moving and normal I get, I get a flu shot every year. So maybe there's something there. It's part of your health plan. You get a flu shot every year. Yes. I, also get a, I get a pneumonia one as well. Oh. So, and, and, a, and a shingles one as well. Mm. That's a... That's what they call being 67 years old. Did you get a flu shot this year? <laughs> no. I did not. I, I didn't, and that's why I left my house for a week I and did, a half. I did not get a flu shot because I was anti-flu shot. That's I, how my brother is, and he, he right. got the flu. <laughs> well, but it, I've gotten shots in the past. One year in particular, my wife got her flu shot and had the most horrific case of flu yeah. that I had ever seen. My mom seen had gotten, that's how she that, got. That put her down yeah. like horizontally for 10 days. Yeah. Um, and again, why I bring that up it's, is because the I, there's so many conversations that people are having of, well, we can't call it the flu because there's a vaccination for the flu. But we all know for every person who's gotten the vac- their flu shot that still gets the flu, what does the doctor tell us? Well, that's a different strain. Mm-hmm. We, All the that's, time. It, that's because the, the network of strains that this particular shot, this particular flu season, is designed to umbrella and protect, we missed. Yeah. Right? So is there any guarantee? Absolutely not. No way. But it's the idea that it exists yeah. that makes us a whole lot more comfortable to, one, have the conversation, and two, to consider um, yeah. life beyond. You increase your percentages, but you're not guaranteed anything. Well, I feel like the best way to end this is I, I um, <laughs> he's actually from the University of Pennsylvania. I, I don't remember his name. It's a doctor yesterday. And he was giving out advice. And one of his <laughs> advice that was being given um, was that you can't use Tito's to clean your house because it's not strong enough. 
I it's forty percent. We need like sixty. Sixty. To 80. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I had heard that one. I think as that's well. the best way to end this. Do yes. not use Tito's vodka to clean your house. To sterilize. It is not strong enough. It's not strong. That's enough. not true. I know it's offensive to the Tito's lovers. It's also not good for their stock either. You making that comment? I'm sorry. And now. Dr. Lee's Mindful Athlete Minute brought to you by Volvo Country with locations in Princeton, Bridgewater, and Edison. In any time of uncertainty, the one uninvited guest that is always present is fear. It makes a loud entrance, carries a heavy stick, and its stay is long overdue. When any epidemic transcends from the physical to the psychological, it becomes much more real. It shows itself in a host of ways throughout our daily lives and threatens the very constitution of how we live. The truth is, this is the time when we as a collective need to stand up and borrow strength from one another to accept the challenge that Mother Nature has presented us with and not waver. For if we do not, our normal progression of fear will evolve into panic and eventual hysteria. And this is the deadliest virus of them all, one that paralyzes the human spirit. So in our daily lives, let's make an effort and commit. Commit to flip the script. Consider panic as now something new. P is for perspective is personal. A is for ask questions. N is for nothing but straight talk matters. I, identify what's controllable and C, care about it. My name is Dr. Lee Piccarello and that's my Mindful Athlete Minute. WBCB, Levittown, Fairless Hills, Trenton.